Kiora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Happy day, Chris. Hey, Mark. How are you? Um, okay. Excellent. How about yourself? Not too bad. Yeah. Loving the weekend. Yeah, aren't weekends good? They are. They should be longer. Much longer. Mm. I think every time this year when you have multiple long weekends in a row, everyone starts thinking about a four-day week. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It'd be pretty tempting. Well, uh, uh, welcome everybody to episode 20, that is episode 20, never thought we'd uh, get this far, yeah. uh, so it's episode 20 of the Geodorable podcast, uh, podcast, which we discuss all things geospatial in New Zealand and beyond. It's the rest of the world indeed. It is, uh, a very gis of you. Uh, I'm Chris Morris, long-time purveyor of GIS, and I've decided this week to be a wearologist. Uh, and Mark Thompson, my co-host, uh, spatial connoisseur, and what did you want to be? I'm a wearologist. I keep, we keep having this argument. Yeah, I, it just sounds better if you're something else. Yeah, but you're a, you're more of a wearographer than I am because you care what the map looks like. Yeah, maybe. Yes, maybe indeed. Um, now. Before, or before we start, or as we get on to this podcast, just like to put in a disclaimer that we both have day jobs we'd like to keep. Uh, since it's important to note that anything we say here or views and opinions are uh, entirely our own and often for satirical or comedic reasons, even if it's not obvious. Um, it's often not obvious. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. Now you've ruined that. Um, <laughs> true <laughs> um, but yeah they definitely don't represent our uh, employers unless they're really good no problem no, no. <laughs> okay um, shall we get on with some um, spatial news um sure uh, we're going to oh, I suppose we could talk about ourselves a little bit well it's also the theme of the podcast go on then well, our topic for the year is get off the map. Oh, it is, yeah. We're um, trying to encourage people to think more, Jace is more than just mapping. That's gone quiet now. Well, it's so much more. Um, so, yeah, quite often Jace is just, oh, it's a map. But we all know it's more than a map, so we're trying to promote more than a map. Which is why you should get off the map. That's right. Hmm. Get off the map. And speaking of maps, Chris, this weekend oh, yeah. I uh, I played a board game that involved maps. Cluedo. No, is Cluedo more BIM? Oh, good question. Oh. Ooh, that's got us puzzling. I don't know. Good question. Yeah. Yeah, Cluedo is a bit of BIM, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. It's more of a floor plan. <laughs> that's BIM. Mm. Um. No, I was playing Ticket to Ride Europe, which is a board game yeah. um, where you build train routes across Europe. Um, you're quite the uh, board game connoisseur. I remember you've talked about quite a few games you're, uh, you've played with your kids. Yeah, well, thinking through this board game we played at the weekend, actually, a number of our games we have um, 
involve maps. Another one is Raro Tycoon, which also is a train one, but that was coincidental. Is that a board game? Uh, Raro Tycoon, yeah. I thought it was a yeah, computer game. It is. It, it, I think it's actually the board game made from the computer game. Hmm. There you go. Um, so that's quite good. And yeah, I've talked about the amazing Moa Hunt and New Zealand Heritage or whatever map game. And yeah, there's also um, Forbidden Island. Which oh, is that, not sounds, really. that sounds pretty cool. It is quite good. It's a good one for your kids. Um, because everyone has to work together to win. Now, where do you find these board games? Uh, usually in the shop. But we look online to see what's good. Or we'll talk to other people. Mm, okay. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so that was uh, what I got up to this weekend. What about you, Chris? It's been pretty wet up here, actually. Didn't really do much yesterday. Uh, bit of work outside, but nothing exciting, I'm afraid. And nothing involving a map. No, nothing. You're doing landscaping though. Have you modelled that in like 3D? Uh, yeah, I've got a SketchUp model of it. Have you really? Hmm. Oh, you geek. Yeah, it's done by the architect. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You haven't overlaid the uh, Auckland Derrick Council aerial photos. No, I should have uh, put it into Google Earth. Yeah, well, you could have requested the LiDAR for your your section. Yeah, true. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. It's All pretty right. accurate now. They've, it is. Uh, well, it's, yeah. it's also more... Um, there's lots of points per square metre now. I think it's up to four. Well, yeah, four good ones, but if you get all the raw data, there's uh, more than that. There's more. Cool. Yeah. All right. Shall we carry on? Uh, yeah, let's do uh, spatial news. Spatial news. Right, well, uh, this first piece of news caught my eye uh, last week. Um, so, uh, Scott Base, kind of. Uh, Scott Base, it's in the Antarctica. It is Antarctic, uh, well known to New Zealanders, uh, and uh, it can now be even more well known by New Zealanders as they've uh, created a 3D model. Yeah, um, I mean, not not the exciting 3D model, um, the 3D model is going, but considering the condition, um, it's actually pretty well done. It is pretty good. Did you know it was uh, green? I didn't know it was green. It was green, the building? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's in the photos. No, I know, but did you know it was green before then? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so um, they've flown some, a drone over and they've taken some aerial imagery and also some LiDAR. Yeah, yeah, a fixed, uh, fixed wing drone, I think it was. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll put a post uh, up on Twitter and um, you can go and have a look for yourself. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, it is pretty good. Um, interested to see how, um, I don't know, how barren the place is. Yeah. No, uh, but also, I didn't, I didn't realise the uh, topography was um, that hilly. Yeah, it surprised me as well, actually. Yeah. I'd love to see um, see the model, because uh, it's currently just a video. I'd love to see if I just get, a whole, uh, get my hands on the raw data and build the model myself. Yeah, maybe we should suggest that to them. It'd be always yeah. good. We're always about publishing data in this podcast as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, the next piece of news um, continues on the kind of 3D virtual tour idea. It does. Spatial news. So, Anzac Weekend's just been. It has. And there's a really interesting... Oh, yeah. Um, they're creating a... Th- as there's many aspects to the war that people don't really talk about or aren't that well publicised. And one of them is the amount of mining that was done under the trenches. Uh, yeah. Um, and so in World War One, especially, there's a lot of mining done. I've, read, I've actually read books about this. It's quite interesting. And the intention was to then pack the mine with explosive. Yes. Mm. And then blow up the opposite. Or the, and sometimes they um, actually used them to invade. So instead of going over the top, they went through the mines. And so, oh, okay. as well as miners who were listening, uh, I'm not sorry, miners who were digging, we also had people who were listening. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the books I read about it was really interesting how they could hear people and they'd almost go back and seal off the mine to stop um, the Germans getting through. Or um, vice versa, I guess. Or vice versa, or they'd try and blow it early and. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Really interesting, but the good thing about being in the mines, apart from the instant death from explosions, was you weren't up with the uh, rats, etc., up in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. But you did miss out on daylight. Um, so anyway, there's um, virtual tunnels. Um, a New Zealand surveying, University of Otago Surveying School, mm-hmm. have come up with a project um, to scan all the tunnels. Wow. Yeah, and it is pretty cool. Um, again, again we, uh, we we talked last week about HoloLens. Yes. Uh, it'd be pretty cool to, to use HoloLens to look at these, I would have thought. Yeah, it, also this would be a really great thing for share of data. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously we're not all scanning, um, scanning tunnels built in World Wars, but indoor scanning is mm-hmm. becoming um, more prolific. prolific. Yeah, it's much more pervasive than it ever has been. Yeah, and it's much easier to talk about it if you've got samples. Yep. Yeah. Any other thoughts about this, Chris? Uh, no, I wish I was involved, actually. It looks like it's a really good uh, project. Yeah. Mm. It does. Okay. Spatial news. Uh, so I think this one was yours, wasn't it, Mark? Yes, I was um, looking on the internet the other day. Yes, you do. And um, I typed into Google, what is the best GIS software? And it took me to this website called g2crowd.com. Did it now? Um, and it said best GIS software. And basically this is a, um, what do you call it? It's, it's like TripAdvisor for software. <laughs> So it is, and we're going to be uh, talking a little bit more about this in um, Topic of the Week. Yeah. So, um, what does it show? What's the best software? Well, controversially, it shows Google Earth is the best. So we'll we'll talk about this more later, um, as well as some links. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think it all depends on... uh, how you calculate best but um, yeah we'll, we'll talk about this more later on yeah spatial news uh, so the other thing I was looking on the internet actually Facebook someone popped up this um, 
hydrofoiling surfboard. A very GIS. That had, had a motor on it. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, at the end of the video it said, this company was bought out by Google. And I was like, really? That's odd. Google have bought a hydrofoiling surfboard company. Well, even just an invention. Okay. Um, and so I thought, well, what else does Google own? Uh, so with the power of Wikipedia, um, I found out what does Google own. Well, Google's actually owned by Alphabet. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers that last year. Alphabet XYZ. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's an amazing amount of companies that Google owns. It is huge, isn't it? It is huge. There's a lot of uh, scrolling down to kind of see the list. And some of them make sense. Yeah. Uh, mobile app optimizer, ebook subscriptions. And some of them just are weird. Well, some, some you can see, as you say, yeah, they're mobile or they're, you know, uh, they built Picasso, which was the um, photo management yeah. uh, app, which you know you can now is Google Photos. Yeah. So you can see they've done quite a few like that, but um, yes, yeah, some yeah. of them are off the wall. And the other one is the Google X or X company. Yep. They have, which is heavily into robotics. Yep. Uh, but we haven't seen a lot of this. I mean, they've done the driving car, so... Driving no, they car, bought... Um, oh, now you've uh, confused me as I can't remember the name of the company. But they bought um, a branch of, I think it was the... Uh, might have been the US military, that, that do all their robotics. Um, and they've got quite a few... Um, uh, the, oh, there's one that's like a dog that can run them on like a horse that goes like a pack there's animal. There's one from Japan kind of they bought, which is a humanoid robot. Yeah. Shaft, shaft, S-C-H-A-F-T. It's not surprising. I don't think it's surprising because uh, in the future, when you know robots are, um, you know, there to do our bidding, you know, you you'll, you want to be able to search for something, and they'll know what you're talking about. And yeah. how better to search than through a Google browser? Oh, well, sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just an amazing amount of investment that Google are doing. Uh, so what's so this got anything to the GIS? Are they about to buy uh, Esri? Is that what you're telling us? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. Do you know something, Chris? No. Nope. <laughs> well, you didn't hear it here first then. <laughs> um, no, but uh, we were talking in the office the other day about um, investing in IT companies. Yep. And how some of them are, some of them are peaking and one of them that's not peaking is Facebook. Oh, yeah. So it seems to be declining and it's I'm not going to say it's going the way of um, MySpace um, because they're probably better than that but yeah we all remember what happened to MySpace so we can't remember because we just gave up on it well I, I think only people of a certain age can remember what happened to MySpace didn't Justin Timberlake buy into it? I don't know anyway, anyway carry on um, but Google is the opposite of that tech trend they constantly growing and constantly giving revenues and making happy shareholders. Yep. Um, yeah, so I don't know. If you're into that sort of thing, maybe have a look. Maybe yeah. don't. Okay. Spatial news. It's uh, conference time. It or it's going to be conference time. 
Well, it's always conference time. It is somewhere. Um, and this is uh, the Indigenous Mapping um, Conference, uh, 16th of May. Uh, in, oh, where is it? Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton, city of the future. Oh, is that, is that? Yeah, have you not heard that? No. Oh, okay. Um, but it looks like a interesting conference. Uh, it's almost like we we put these things in order. But um, one of the big uh, kind of users sponsors is uh, Google. Google Earth Google. Outreach. Yeah. Yeah. So Google Earth, Earth Outreach yeah. is um, tools used by indigenous communities to help them map their histo- history. Yeah. And their geography. I think it's going to um, be pretty cool. Yeah. So this is definitely a. Um, Definitely a good conference um, to talk through this. How do we map the issues with mapping heritage and history? I know I've, w- I've worked a little bit with this with previous councils, mm-hmm. um, and the reluctancy to give up information, but also the difficulty of verifying information. Right. Okay. Um, you know, because a lot of the a lot of the land that that's been talked about for centuries is now cows or houses or something. Yep. And so it doesn't look like it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's hard work working through um, history and especially for um, when you're trying to do s- treaty settlements. Yeah. Trying to prove um, prove what actually used to be like there to help reconcile yep. the ocean. And that's yeah. when we, we've seemed to mention it every week so far, but retro lens, you know, aerial imagery going back to kind of 1940s, you know, that, that kind of thing can help. It can. Mm. It can indeed. So this is the indigenous mapping wanga, sorry, almost put an H there, uh, 16th to the 18th of May. We'll put a link to it. We will put a link to it. Spatial news. Now on a similar, uh, I guess, topic, um, the uh, Auckland Council GeoMaps website, uh, you can now get um, treaty land information. So what's, what is treaty land information? You're asking me? An English yes. person? Uh, well, it, it's the uh, the treaty, they call it the treaty settlement layer. Yeah, so, land uh, subject is treaty settlements. Yep. There yeah. You uh, and it's yeah, you can now get access to it through uh, the GeoMaps viewer. Um, now I, d- I find it quite surprising that it's not overly obvious how you do it. Um, <laughs> and I'm not a I'm nine-step process. Well, there is yes, a nine. <laughs> Uh, which, which is kind of odd. You would have thought you know, you just tick on the layer, uh, but you have to well, go and find it and add it and all kinds I, of stuff. I would have thought, having worked with other software in the ESRI space, which allows you to turn on layers by URL and zoom to locations, that could have been part of their API. But anyway, hmm. um, yeah. So there's a separate set of instructions to go view it, but it's another interesting layer adding to the Auckland Council GeoMap. Yeah, I had a look, actually. Uh, it's good information, but yeah, complicated getting to it. <laughs> Spatial news. Now, Chris. Yeah, Mapbox. 
Yes, um, indeed. Just just listen to the excitement in his voice, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to say, we haven't had a Mapbox story in quite a while, actually. No, in a week. I'm oh. pretty sure you mentioned it last week. Yeah, oh, maybe. And then we had a news item the week before. Okay, all right. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> we we like Mapbox. Mapbox on this property. On this property? TV show? Uh, yeah. On mm. us. Yeah. In this podcast, we like Mapbox. We also we like Esri. We like lots uh, of things. Yeah, we like 3D. Uh, so, so uh, this is like the Dacia Sandero of, um, of Top Gear. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Mapbox. Oh dear. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> abusing you. Well, no, I did the, the, the uh, Sandero story. You always bring it up at some point. Uh, <laughs> uh, so now, Chris, have you ever lived in a malarial zone? No. Ah. Okay, I have. have. You? Yes, yeah. you have. I've um, I spent five plus years in malaria zones. Yep. Um, and interesting, the last one I lived in Singapore. Um, malaria is still the problem. Like they spray the heck out of places to try and kill mosquitoes because there's no real cure to it. No, no, no. Um, Papua New Guinea, where I also lived, has a massive malaria problem, and there's just no chance of um, of avoiding it. And we're talking about malaria, why? Well, Mapbox are Uh mapping um, buildings. Well, they're not. (laughs) Carry on. Volunteers are using satellite imagery to map, to trace buildings and add them to OpenStreetMap. Yep. Which means they can be used by health health authorities to try and identify malaria hotspots or to try and, if you know, well, Again, in Singapore, when malaria happened around you, you were all notified. So they did a really good job. If you were in that building where the person got malaria, mm-hmm. um, you were put on high alert, and then everyone was sort of decreasing circles, notified about malaria. Okay. Yep. Um, and so this will help with that sort of thing. So understanding where buildings are, where people live, so you can understand where you need to notify. And what Mapbox uh, have done for clear, they've just done a really nice visualisation of those, how much does it say? Uh, 1.7 million buildings that have been traced um, over the past few months by, what did they say, 3,000 contributors who've been editing these buildings. And uh, Mapbox have just made a really nice visualisation of, uh, you know, the growth uh, of... um, uh, those those buildings being a- added to um, OpenStreetMap. Yeah, no, it is really really good and it will help. I mean, it, this yeah. sort of um, sort of warms your heart, doesn't it? When three thousand people from around the world are, are willing to stare at a map to digitise buildings. Yep. For countries they've never been to. Yeah. Just to help them. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, makes you feel good about the world for once well it makes you feel that GIS actually has more of a purpose than just making maps yeah of course it does get off the map yeah you can Mm. actually go volunteer your time and I know they've done this with Haiti as well when the earthquake hit yep yeah. Other things. So. Well, it's um, I mean, it's one of the great things about the uh, the Open Stream Act community. They they do this a lot. Yeah, yeah, good on them. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Right, and from the um, spatial news. I'm sorry, I went from the uh, what do we call it? 
how do from I describe the serious? it? Serious? Yeah, from uh, so I was trying to think of wor- better words, but yeah, from the kind of to fiction. Yeah, okay. Uh, we have a uh, interesting use or great use of um, City Engine. Um, now, now you're a fan of City Engine, aren't you? I'm a fan of anything 3D, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and City Engine is pretty cool. Um, it is. So, what are we talking about? Well, everybody's favourite cartoon, The Simpsons. Um, we have uh, Springfield 3D, The Simpsons uh, story map, uh, and it's basically the um, the city of Springfield uh, rendered in beautiful uh, 3D within uh, City Engine. It is now, as we all know, Springfield. No one actually knows where it is. No, true. <laughs> um, but what he's done is, is actually mapped out. A, does it actually say how he's done it? I don't think it does. No. But he's mapped out exciting things like the monorail, church, the power, the school. Church. Yeah. Um, um, it's quite cool. Well, yeah, it is quite cool. But all the buildings are just squares. Well, apart from the key buildings, right? So the school is pretty good. The church is pretty good. Uh, Apu's uh, corner shop. No, what's it called? What are they called? Quickie, Quickie Mart. Mart uh, is pretty good. Um, yeah, some of them are just uh, blocks. Yeah. No idea where Lenny lives, for example. Uh, no. But anyway, it's a bit of fun. Yeah, it is. Um, has it got loud lab donuts in there? Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it has. Was that the burger joint? Oh, Krusty Burger. Krusty oh, what is cool, you can go underground and um, see the subway. I never realised there was a subway in Springfield. They've got a subway and a monorail. Well, I know the monorail. What's it called? Monorail. Um, One more time, yeah. monorail. Um, I didn't know about the subway, but I haven't, I've only just started watching the initially The Simpsons. Hmm. Yeah, lucky I've taken a break. Um, anyway... That yeah, is we'll um, linked up to that, but yeah, good, good use of um, city engine. Yeah, and um, that's the news this week. It I is. feel as though there should be then like a new jingle. Anyway, that is the news this week. Good so, news. Um, moving on, should we talk a little bit about uh, topic of the day? Topic of the day, which we had a prelude to before. Uh, yeah, we did. Um, Look of the week, by the way. Yeah, I know. Let's get those two. Terrible. <laughs> Topic of the week. Right. Best GIS software in the world, as we announced before. <laughs> Is this news? <laughs> well, 92 people have said Google Earth Pro. Right, yeah, 63 sure. people have said Google Earth Pro. So I think we should uh, clarify a bit. So this is um, a... These are not our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from a G2, which are a kind of a, a, a crowd sourcing... Yeah, like a, like a poor man's gardener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a bit like... Um, uh, oh, the... Uh, what's the place where you stay and they fill things out? TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor, thank you. Yes. Brain dead. Uh, TripAdvisor for software. 
you know, so you give it a review, and the more reviews are the positive, the better the software, right? Um, yes. And they've done this for uh, lots of different GIS, and they've put it on a kind of grid scoring. Well, uh, they have a definition of GIS. Oh, good. So, a definition of GIS software must store, organize, edit, and analyze geographical data. Mm-hmm. It includes visualization capabilities. Um, and you have GIS capability. How can you? Will utilize GIS platform and its solution, align or manipulate data from maps or sources, but you can't have a definition including the word. <laughs> Just to point that out. So yeah, your definition of GIS is that it must have GIS capability. <laughs> well, I think that's the point, right? Um, there are numerous um, kind of examples of this this kind of you know which is the best GIS and you see kind of you know QGIS versus ArcGIS desktop and you see Google Earth and then um, you know these other GIS systems and they always compare them and um, it it just seems uh, an odd thing to do really well I mean I think what's what's oddest in this is Google Earth Pro Mm-hmm. as a GIS software. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we just talked about G- Google Outreach, which is a great um, use of Google Earth to easily capture information for indigenous peoples. Yep. Um, and so therefore you'd say, yeah, it is GIS software. Um, but you wouldn't really build an enterprise out of it. Well, you couldn't. Huh? Well, no, well. but you could according to... <laughs> According to G2, this is this is one of the jokes. Uh, Google Earth outranks um, Esri as an enterprise solution, which we know is no. Um, and companies like uh, MapInfo um, and Intergraph aren't even on the list. Yep. Um, so these these are there's a lot of salt with these um, with these results, I think. And I think that's that's true of most of the reviews. You know, it, it's uh, yeah, it's what you need it to do, not not kind of on a function by function basis. There is um, there's uh, another um, website that tries to compare them and in, in functionality to functionality, but basically QGIS versus Esri. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically stops on the desktop. Yep. Um, and doesn't go into the all the online stuff which Esri does, or server side stuff or database stuff. Um, but it's also trying to compare apples to apple, uh, apples to pears, right? Yeah, totally. Um, now, Chris, I know you're not a fan of QGIS, and this no, is, that's not true. This is purely because once you tried to use it and you found it frustrating. That's so true. Up. I think it is horses for courses, right? So I've used uh, Azure Kit for a very long time, and uh, trying to use QGIS, I just didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't obvious. Um, yeah, I. It's fair to say I didn't get on. It, yeah. But that's yeah. not to say I don't think it's a good product. I think for certain, you know, if you're new to GIS, completely new to GIS, and you had to kind of choose what I'm going to use, and you were just like, you know. Well, one yeah. person, then I think it, it, it makes much more sense. Well, even if you're not one person, um, with SQLite yeah. um, and other database technologies coming on, you're not really getting the advantage that you used to get from the pure Esri system. Yeah. 
Um, I've used QRJS a bit. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I wouldn't even say I'm intermediate. Um, but the other day I was making contours in it, and it was actually relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to make contours in Esri, and it said I needed a license, and all my licenses yep. were in use. Yep. Um, which is understandable because we only have a limited number of licenses. But I could just do it in QGIS. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah. And that, that is you know one of the biggest differences between kind of commercial open source, right? Yeah. Now what we couldn't compare is our use of Map Info. Um, because neither of us really use Map Info. Well, not anymore. But I. Um, oh, you used it. Yeah, I started my career. Sorry, uh, my career was. <laughs> that was. The, uh, I thought that was the audio falling off the table. No, that was something else falling off the table. Side the speaker. Uh, no, but I'm, I started my career uh, using MapInfo. It was the first yep. GIS I ever used, and then went on to use it for I don't know two years ish, eighteen months, two years, uh, and then we switched out to uh, Esri. But um, I got pretty used to using it, and. You know, it's got really nice integration with um, Excel and that kind of tabular kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was never as functionally rich as, you know, what you ended up with Esri. Admittedly, after you've added a bunch of extensions. But um, it was pretty easy to use. But it, yeah. it, it didn't do anything more than desktop. Okay. I used to use um, Intergraph mm-hmm. with MicroStation. Okay. Wow. IRC and IRSB, etc. Um, and then moved to GeoMedia. Um, oh, yep. And they were kind of painful, but you can never... The joy of editing data in a CAD system mm. so much better than a GIS system. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I don't know how much... I used to... Yeah, I started off as a map monkey. Yep. And creating, creating boundaries and what have you, um, not having to hold the mouse down for the whole line, I just, you know drawing bits of the line, making sure they're right, and then merging it into one. Mm-hmm. And it's not proper data yet until you've got it all merged, and then you associate it with the table. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, actually has a lot of um, a lot of benefit. And it's funny, now you use Pro in your, your kind of editing automatically. You know, things have changed yeah. quite a lot, I think. Yeah. Maybe not for the best, but... <laughs> different world. Um... But we used to run, I know Geomedia has improved a heap, but we used to run a, a um, demo copy of ArcView, mm-hmm. because sometimes it would put out perform Geomedia. Well, it's one of those oh, we things. are talking about decades ago. So. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but I think this is part of the problem. You, you try and do, you know, which is better than something else. It's entirely based on what you need it to do. And all these kind of websites and, you know, Comparative tools. I don't. I don't think they ever provide the answer. I think it's. It's really you have to know what you want to use the software for and what budget yeah. you've got. And you know, well, definitely what budget you've got. I mean, we've both dealt with a smaller, smaller company who are, are happily using open source, mm-hmm. doing their own data collection in the yep. field and reconciliation. And you talk them to about, about a licensed product, and they're like, "Well, there's no advantage, and it just starts costing me." Yep. Um, so yeah, but they've put the investment into it. Whereas if you didn't have the ability to develop, then um, one of the the name products um, would be would be far more ideal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, if you've got your own opinion of which is the best software, get in touch with us. Or, How um, could they do that, Mark? Uh, they could get in touch with us with us through Facebook, Geodorable. So facebook.com slash Geodorable. Yep. They could email us at uh, Gmail. So Geodorable at Gmail. They could get us on Twitter, Chris. People are loving Twitter, aren't they? We're big ups to Twitter. Should have done it earlier. Should have. Um, so my Geodorable on Twitter. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear about uh, your mapping uh, mm. mapping experiences if you have an opinion if you've used a variety of systems um, and if you find none of them any good <laughs> maybe maybe you don't there's a whole market out there for uh, new geo software well thinking back to our um, our what's happening in 2017 we're all always about innovation doesn't happen in the GIS community mm-hmm. it happens inside outside because GIS community is so busy comparing software and making maps yeah they're not doing a lot of innovation or the new technology. Right, okay. shall we Shall we move on to uh, everybody's favourite game? We should indeed. Now, you're having a bad, bad run at this. Not not to rob this in, I'm, I'm saying that from a friendly observation point of view. Thanks. Not to say that you're terrible at this game. <laughs> uh, it's that kind of pep talk I really enjoy. <laughs> um... So, right, what, um, this is export to shape file. <laughs> Good grief. <sighs> export to shape file. Now, if you're not familiar with export to shape file, it's a game between two players where you maneuver between the tools in uh, ArcGIS um, to out to try and back your back your opponent into a corner. These are geoprocessing tools, right? Geoprocessing tools from the toolbox. Yep. Um, as you know, there's only certain tools follow on from other tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, you can never tin a tin. Okay, yeah. Um, because, yeah, <laughs> we all know that's just duplication. So they try and follow typographic rules, I suppose, you'd use in GIS. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another one. Um, I mean, converting raster to pot, raster to vector—that's perfectly fine. We all do that. And vector to raster—that's fine. Um, but anyway, so you maneuver among the uh, the tools, and each move limits the next amount of uh, tools available to the to your competitor. It's kind of a cross between uh, chess and poker, and snakes and ladders, hmm. and maybe trouble or boggle. Not boggle, no trouble. It sounds complicated, and the best way to learn is just to get into it. Yeah, um, there's a few sites on the internet. Um, it came out of Redlands. Yep. Um, as the developers built, especially um, well, with the invention of Arc ArcMap rather than ArcView. Yeah. And yeah. the uh, yep. concept of Toolbox, they're starting off with, I suppose, uh, seven, but really eight, eight three was the real start of Toolbox. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. But, yeah, but everything sort of changed in 9.3, which is the rules we play for them. Yeah, it is. Um, also, because we're so old, we can't work out which ones, <laughs> <laughs> which ones have been decommissioned, <laughs> which ones have been... In- well, no, Invented's okay. We, we're okay with the new ones. We just don't know the old ones, which don't work anymore. 
it's more like you go to the help and then you have to go to the old help to find out where it was decommissioned. Shall we just go on with it? Yes, let's get on with it. Uh, I start, I believe. Yeah. Um, Okie dokie. So, I'm going to keep things simple. Uh, and our, our favourite listener in Singapore, Jeremy, no abuse for uh, this one. Uh, I, I say no abuse, but he still abuses. <laughs> I don't know why I say it. Um, but, yeah, I've, I'm thinking the easiest one to start with, Chris. To go easy on you, uh, is the last data set to tin. You're in your tins. Okay. Yeah, my tins. Now, why you'd want to do this, I don't know. Actually, during the week, I was trying to convert um, a tin to contours. Okay. Yeah, don't try that at home, because that's awful. Okay. I mean, when I You're did just it, putting I was, me off. You're putting me off. Stop it. I am, but I was like, why on earth did I do that? Of course, they're just following the tin triangle lines. Like, just a duh. Good one. Okay. Um... Well, from the uh, 3D analyst uh, toolset, yeah, uh, I'm going to go. Analyst. I do, I do. Um, <laughs> and my box. Uh, and city engine. Difference 3D. Difference 3D? Mm. Okay. Yeah, quite. Yeah, okay. Um, I will keep things simple with erase from the uh, analysis tools, toolbox. Hmm. Um. Okay, I'm not worried. Um, last to multipoint. Ooh, that's a far better tool than last to turn. Nice one. You were upstaging me in moving and in your knowledge of and your use of tools. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, feature vertices to points. Data management. Hmm, data management. Yeah. So while we were converting, I'll just convert my uh, polygons to points. You're not doing much moving out of the um, 3D analyst tool set, so I'm going to stay there and I'm going to go with the slice. Oh yes. Okay, um, I didn't expect you to just quite stay in there that long. Uh, remove files from last data set. Data, data management. management again. Lots of less tonight though. Well, I love 3D. Spatial join. Ooh. Ooh. I'll take the easy option then. Validate topology after that. Um, summary statistics. Cell statistics. Table select. Flow length. Trying to throw in a curly one there. Add subtype. <laughs> and export to shape file. <laughs> I just realised I backed myself into a corner. I got one back. You did. Good game. Like it. Fast. Fast and uh, cohesive. With the lots of less and stuff. Yeah. So we go. I mean, that was a good example, actually. I mean, the professionals, they play multiple hands, so that's multiple yes. um, multiple sets of that game. Um, best of seven. It's like darts. It is like darts. Um, hmm. It's like lots of things. 
It is, and it's a good way. As I say, there's always an anecdote for nearly every tool. Some of the tools you just don't know what to do with. But, That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good way of knowing the tools and building up um, your wearography and wearology. Uh, nicely put, Mark. Science aware. Indeed. Okay, well... Um, that brings uh, us to a close. It does, doesn't it? Good podcast, Mark. Good podcast. Good game, Chris. Good news. Mm, lots of news. We'll put those up on the Twitter. Um, what is the best GIS software? We'd love to know. <laughs> and if you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're pleased to hear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Next week.